Hey, it's a good Friday. Do we have agreement? Yes, we do. And it's time once again to have your Bible questions answered. It's Ask the Preacher, brought to you by Believers Fellowship Church, located in North Lakeland. Ask the Preacher. Here's John Freed. Well, it is a good Friday. A very good Friday. Every Friday is really a good Friday. But uh, today, I guess uh, people would obviously recognize it as a rather special Friday. We'll talk a little bit about that, whether it should be Good Friday or Good Wednesday uh, in just a few minutes. But um, anyway, not not uh, super intending to bust any bubbles, but what I what I am looking to do is uh, is give glory and honor to the Lord Jesus Christ. As Eric mentioned a minute ago, my name is John, John Freed, and I am uh, the pastor at Believers Fellowship Church in North Lakeland. Um, it just so happens that it was four years ago today, April the 15th, four years ago, um, that officially my mom and dad retired from being the pastors of Believers Fellowship Church and my wife and I, my wife Maria, my wife and I took the pastorate of the church. And so uh, anyway, I celebrate that today. It was four years ago. Um, but Good Friday is uh, called Good Friday because it is referring to the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we'll, we'll talk about that, obviously, this weekend is what most people call Easter weekend, this Sunday being Easter Sunday. Uh, I like to refer to it as Resurrection Sunday, and we'll talk about that just a little bit uh, as, as well. But I want to invite you to come out and, and join us this Sunday morning. Um, special service outdoors. Outdoors would be beautiful in the morning time, 9 a.m., so not not super early. It's not a sunrise service, um, so you don't have to wake up at 6 a.m. or anything. Actually, all of the volunteer teams and that type of thing at uh, Believers Fellowship, they'll be getting there at 6 a.m. to get things set up, but service will start outdoors, 9 a.m., outside. Chairs are set up out there. If you want to bring your own chair, you think it might be more comfortable, you might be right. Uh, so come on out and join us this Sunday morning, 9 a.m. for an outdoor service. It probably lasts till 11 or 12 or 1 or 2 or whenever. <laughs> I don't really know when it'll get done. A couple hours or so. But anyway, it's gonna be a gonna be a great time. All right. So uh, the chances are you you may be doing some family celebrations and um, having some activities for for kids and eating some special foods um, immediately after this uh, this show is over here today. My wife and I are, are joining some friends uh, from church. Every year they hold a, uh, a Passover Seder, and so they are, are um, keeping some of, those, some of those traditions and some of those feasts and just celebrating those things. They, they have a, a, a lot of things that they, that they celebrate with Jewish heritage, and so uh, anyway, we'll be joining them. So I don't know what you and your family might be doing. But we'll touch on a, a few of those a few of those items. Um, but regardless, in 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 light of the the biggest the biggest joy, the greatest victory that's ever been known on the face of the earth, it is the victory of overcoming death. It is the victory that the Lord Jesus Christ gave us when He was risen from the grave. That's what Resurrection Sunday is all about. Um, so when, when I mention it a little bit and we talk about eggs and baskets and bunnies and all of that kind of stuff, um, the, 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 big, the big deal, the big issue is keeping the focus on what Jesus Christ 
did for us. I know it's a common verse, but I'm going to quote it anyway in, in John chapter 3, verse 16. Uh, it was, it, it, this is quite possibly the most popular verse in all the Bible, but it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. That is what the death, burial, and resurrection of, of Jesus Christ, um, that's what it's all about. That right there. For God so loved the world that he gave. I, I want to tell you, my friends that are listening today, that um, you know God's not always pleased with everything we do, but you yourself, you as a person, you as his creation, he loves you. He loves you dearly. He loves you so much that he sent Jesus Christ to die for your sin. Why did he have to die? Well, because the, the, the scripture, the, the covenant, the law that was given by God, the rules, if you will, that were given by the Creator is that the wages or the penalty of sin is death. And we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. The penalty of that sin is death. And so somebody or something has to die to pay the price for sin. And God himself sent his very own son, Jesus Christ, to die on your behalf and on mine for your sin and for my sin. And through the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ, you and I, so to speak, I don't mean this disrespectfully, but but so to speak, you and I get to run scot-free, and we were the guilty parties. We were the one that should be judged. We are the ones that deserve to die. But Jesus stood in our place and said, Father, put that penalty on me. I take it on their behalf. Give them freedom. Let me take destruction. Oh, praise God for what Jesus Christ has done. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Verse 17, For God didn't send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but he did it so that the world through him might be saved. He that believes on him is not condemned, and he that does not believe on him is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Oh, folks, it is such a great honor. It is such a great honor to, to speak to you today about what God has done for us through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, his Son. We'll talk more about it when we come back from this break. You're listening to Ask the Preacher. And if you uh, want to call in, you can. The phone number in the studio is 863-682-1430, 863-682-1430. We'll be back in just a couple minutes. Right now, let's get back to more of Ask the Preacher with John Freed, brought to you by Believer's Fellowship Church. Welcome back to Ask the Preacher. Glad you're listening today on this very good Friday. And uh, we'll talk about that term here in just a second, but it is a good Friday. Every Friday is a good Friday. Every Monday is a good Monday, and every uh, Sunday is a good Sunday. So every day is a good day. Matter of fact, the Scripture says, uh, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. A lot of people misunderstand that verse. They think that that verse is talking about today, as in, as in the sun rose and that today is the day that the Lord has made. Well, that's true. That's true. It absolutely is true. Every day is a gift from God, uh, and you should count your blessings. If you woke up this morning, consider yourself blessed, because many people did not wake up this morning. Uh, the Scripture also says that His mercies are made new every morning. So if you woke up this morning, that means you get a fresh start. 
you get a fresh opportunity. When you wake up tomorrow, it is a new day. You have a fresh start with new mercies that came from God uh, to help you and to give you an opportunity to call out upon his name. Thank the Lord. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You know, I was given an altar call one time. What is an altar call? Well, an altar call is one of those things that that tend to happen at a at some kind of Christian gathering, a, a church service, if you will, uh, where the preacher or somebody says, uh, this is, we're going to give an opportunity for you to accept Jesus. Now, people do all these things in different ways. Some people make it real light and simple. Some people make it drawn out and and uh, and complicated. Some some people uh, almost seemed as if they're working to bring you to tears, and and other people just uh, just going to pass by it. Uh, but people are still in tears. So anyway, I'm not judging anybody on how they do an altar call. The, the truth of the matter is we should give opportunity for people to get saved. But anyway, it was one of these times I was doing an altar call at the end of the service. And I had just finished talking about the scripture that says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And you know, the reality of that means that you don't have to come down to the altar. You don't have to walk the aisle at the end of a church service and respond to somebody's prayer. It does not say whosoever shall pray shall be saved. There's a lot of people that pray and they're not saved. But whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so there, there's a sense of just simply crying out and saying his name, Jesus. Well, you just cry out to him for help. And guess what? He shows up and he helps. That's the goodness of God. That's the goodness of God. I, I just I want to encourage you uh, today, even now, if you need to call out upon the name of the Lord Jesus, just call out his name. I don't care where you are. You might be in the middle of four people carpooling in from, from some other town, headed home. Uh, just call upon the name of the Lord Jesus. You might be in the middle of of, uh, of a financial struggle, in the middle of, of stressful times, not knowing where your next paycheck's going to come from, not knowing how you're going to pay the, the rent or, or pay the electric bill this month. Call upon the name of the Lord Jesus. A doctor may have given you a diagnosis that, that uh, it, maybe it's terminal or maybe some kind of disease that has struck your heart with fear. Call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Just say his name. Just call out his name. Jesus, Jesus, help me in this situation. And he'll show up. He'll show up and he'll help you. He'll he'll give you help. He'll give you strength. He'll give you advice. He'll give you counsel. He's good. He loves you that much. You say, oh, I'm not deserving of any help from God. It doesn't, that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. He, he loves you beyond our deserving. He loves you that much. Call upon the name of the Lord Jesus. Well, so anyway, so I'm giving this altar call, and um, and and at the end, I, I, I said, you know, I'm not going to ask anybody to necessarily walk down to the front, and I'm not even going to lead you in a prayer. If you need Jesus to come in and rescue your soul from hell, just holler out his name. Two, three people just begin to holler, Jesus, just begin to holler right there in their seats. That's all you That's all you need to do. You, you turn to Jesus, and he shows up, and then you walk with him from that time. Let him grab you by the hand and, and let him carry you. Let him carry you. He loves you. He really does. He really does. Well, I, I was headed towards... Um, talking for a moment about Good Friday, and I made mention, maybe we should call it Good Wednesday. Uh, there's, there's a reason uh, for that, and that's because in, in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 40, Matthew chapter 12 and verse 40, it actually starts in, in verse 38, would, 
would be like the beginning of the uh, of the story, if you will. But but Jesus said that he would be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. So in verse 40, he says, For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be, talking, speaking of himself, three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Well, if you look at Sunday as being Resurrection Sunday, well, Friday night, back up from Sunday morning, back up to Friday night, that's not three days and three nights. Well, people make the argument, well, it touches three days and it touches three nights. Well, it doesn't even do that. So anyway, uh, the reality is on that particular time of Jesus' death, there was a high Passover, and I'm not going to get too deep in all those things, um, but Jesus didn't really die on a Friday. So I don't know why the church world has held on to that. It's just a, a Catholic tradition that the church world has held on to for so long. But here's the real picture that I, that I want you to see. I mentioned a little bit earlier about every day is a good day, and that today is the day of salvation, and that today is the day that the Lord has made, and what that really means is um, and this, this era of time, today. So while it is called today, <laughs> we, we, we live. And so what that really means, since Jesus is our salvation, uh, it is perpetual. It is ever-living. He ever lives. We'll talk about resurrection in a little bit. He ever lives to make intercession for us. Uh, my, my point is to say this. I know we recognize, in a traditional sense, we recognize maybe today for some people, Friday as being the day that Jesus was crucified. And then we recognize this coming Sunday, what, what, what most people would call Easter Sunday, as the day in which Jesus was resurrected. Well, he lives forever. So thank God for the resurrection as of the day of his resurrection. But I am so grateful that he lives forevermore. So every day is a day that he's alive. You know, we celebrate birthdays. And we give special honor, special special privilege to those days. You know, you break out the cake and the candles and the song, you know. So we celebrate the birthday. But did you know that the next day is really just as important as the day of, as the, as the birthday? <laughs> you know, we mark it down in a calendar and we celebrate it. And, and we should, we should. But every day is a gift from God. That's my point that I want to stress to you today. Every day is a gift of God. Every day is a day that the Lord Jesus is living Every day is a day that you could recognize that the Lord Jesus died on your behalf. I wake up, uh, and I, I'm, we, we do this even around our, our dinner table when we pray. Don't just thank God for the food. I'm grateful for that. But, man, we thank the Lord. We thank God the Father that he gave Jesus Christ for our redemption, that he gave Jesus Christ for our forgiveness. And in Matthew chapter 10... This is a, a, a passage where the disciples are sent out. They're given power to do some incredible things, and, and they go and they do all of that, and they come back to Jesus, and, man, they're just, they're just all excited about what happened. And, and Jesus says, you know, that, that's good. And this is my paraphrase. Jesus said, that's good, fellas. I'm really, glad. I'm really glad that those things happen, but that's expected. It happens. But this is what Jesus said. He said, rejoice that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Wow. See, it's the greatest thing to rejoice over. What Jesus Christ did for us on the cross, hallelujah, he took our sin 
upon himself. He paid the ultimate price. He paid the, the price that you and I couldn't pay, and no matter, no matter what you might try to do, you will never be able to earn your righteousness. You never could. You never could. I, I want to read a passage here out of it's an Old Testament book from the prophet Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 53, uh, we'll just start in the beginning of the chapter. Who has believed our report, and to whom is, has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he will grow up before him as a tender plant and as a, as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness, and when, we shall, uh, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we shall desire him. In other words, Jesus was just ordinary, not something super special. Verse 3, this is the part I really want to get to. He is despised and rejected of men. You know, he was despised and rejected then, and he's still despised and rejected now. We'll go on. A man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, and we hid as if it were our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. We gave him no honor. But surely, this is verse 4, Isaiah 53, verse 4. But surely, certainly, without a doubt, he has borne our griefs. He has carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. Oh, no, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The punishment of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. That is the gift of God through Jesus Christ to us. He took his sin upon himself. He took the punishment or the the thing that would steal our peace. He took it upon himself. He took our shame upon himself. He took our sickness upon himself, and he gave us the benefit of eternal life. You're listening to Ask the Preacher. We'll be back in a few minutes as we continue today's program. I want to invite you to join us out at Believer's Fellowship this coming Sunday morning, 9 a.m. outside. It's going to be a great morning. We'll be back in a few minutes. It's Ask the Preacher. It's brought to you by Believer's Fellowship Church, located on North Socrum Loop in North Lakeland. John Freed's in the house. Hey, good to be here, too. Thank you very much, Eric, for coming in on this good Friday. And um, anyway, folks, we're here every Friday from roughly 5 o'clock to 6 o'clock. And uh, the phone number in the studio is the same as it has been for the last 15 years or more, 863 682 1430-863-682-1430. Maybe you want to call in, ask a question. Um, I would do my best to answer. Um, maybe you have uh, just something you'd like, like to say. Give honor to the Lord Jesus Christ for what he's done in your life. Whatever the case might be, feel free to call in, 863-682-1430. Uh, of course, you can go to askthepreacher.com, and uh, there are ways that you can communicate with us right there on the website. AskThePreacher.com. And before we get back into uh, what we're talking about today, just invite you out this Sunday morning, one service, special service all together. We typically will have two services on a Sunday morning, one at 9 and one at 11. But this Sunday morning, what most people call Easter Sunday, uh, we will be celebrating the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ um, out in the field next to the church at 9 a.m. 9 a.m. this Sunday morning outside. It's going to be beautiful weather. Dress accordingly. And uh, we'll just have a good time together. Um, 
All right. So I've uh, I, I don't really care to dive in too much about the term Easter as opposed to the term resurrection. But um, you know, there's there's some confusion as to uh, whether the German Estro or or the or the Greek God and uh, and and all of these things. You know, you have the fertility gods and and all of this stuff. You have bunny rabbits and Easter eggs and. And all of these things that that somehow uh, have gotten mixed in, I, I will talk a little bit about the the risk factors of mixing all of these things. But let it be known and let it be clear, the real celebration to the Christian is of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is, so to speak, our our high holiday. It's it's interesting that Christmas time we we decorate. We have more songs. We have more pomp and circumstance, if you will, uh, and it really should be that on on this time of resurrection that we have more. So I, I don't really know why why that is. I suppose I could form some opinions of it, but as I mentioned before, and at least in my life, and and I'd like to see it in others, man, just to really recognize that every day, every day is a celebration of the life of Jesus Christ. Um, you know, Galatians 2.20 says, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ who lives in me. Uh, that's a daily thing. We're crucified daily, so to speak. We, we lay down our own life. We don't pick up, we don't live for ourselves. That's basically what that means. Uh, we don't live for ourselves. I don't live for myself. I live for the one who saved me. I, I'm, I am an indentured servant. What does that mean, to be an indentured servant? I'm not talking about the things that old people have in their mouth in in place of their natural teeth, dentures. Uh, an indentured servant. What is an indentured servant? In the old times, if somebody saved your life, maybe you were about to be killed back in some of some of the old, old gruesome, ugly days. Um, oh, I feel a rabbit trail coming on. Uh, I'll probably go down it in just a second. But some in the, uh, some some of the old ugly days of time, um, if you owed somebody some money and the time of your full payment came up, it was possible for them to throw you in, in prison. Now, we get out of things early now. We just have bankruptcy. We don't hold anybody accountable hardly ever anymore. Um, but even in some of those days, if you owed somebody money, depending on, on how much you owed, you might actually – could cause them to become your slave. You might actually could cause them to be able to be put to death as a penalty, depending on how how big it, it, it was. Well, so let's say you were supposed to be killed, and somebody comes along and rescues your life. Maybe they come along and they pay the price that you owed. It was your fault. You borrowed it, and you didn't pay it back. You were in some kind of trouble, and you didn't pay the debt that you owed, and your life hung in the balance, and somebody else came along and paid the price. They paid the ransom, if you will. They paid the penalty, and you didn't have to face the judgment of death that you were supposed to face. Well, you would become an indentured servant to that person. In other words, you owe them your life. They have bought you with a price. Well, you may not realize it, but I'm giving you several different scriptures all in that story. That is what happened with you and I. You and I, we owed the penalty of sin. 
We had a debt that we couldn't pay no matter how many years we lived on the face of the earth. And when that debt comes up due, it would cost us our life. The penalty of that is death. But somebody comes along and pays the price for us. Well, that doesn't just mean we run scot-free. I know I used that term earlier. But what it really means is we owe our life to the one who paid the price. Who is that person? That person is Jesus Christ. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the grace of the Son of or by the faith of the Son of God, who loves me and gave himself for me. See, we live for Christ. Why? Because he died for us. Oh, it's so wonderful. I can't tell you how wonderful it is. And I really, I urge you, I urge you, I urge you, take time out of your life to dig into the Word of God and find out that these things are true. A lot of people will take these things that will just pass through one ear and out the other. They'll let it skim off the top of their head. They go, oh, yeah, I've heard the story. Isn't that wonderful? But then when it comes to the time of the end, folks, there is a judgment there is a time of judgment that, that will come on the earth, and you must be born again. You must have given your life to Jesus. You must have recognized that he gave his life for you, and you return in gratitude towards him and say, Jesus, you gave your life for me. I give my life to you. I want to read you a couple scriptures before we hit this break here. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, it's speaking of Jesus, and it says, who his own self, that means he himself, bear our sins in his own body on the tree, on the cross, that we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness. See, since he died for our sins, we don't have to die for our sins. We can live. Well, we're not supposed to live towards sin. We're supposed to live towards righteousness. It goes on. By whose stripes, by Jesus' stripes, we were healed. Man, hallelujah. And then... Let's look over just one chapter, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. It says, For Christ also has once suffered for our sins, the just for the unjust. See, that means the righteous for the unrighteous. Jesus, the righteous, for you and I, the unrighteous. The just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but making us alive by the Spirit. Oh, man, it's so wonderful, so wonderful. We're going to take another um, break here, and then we'll be back with our final segment of Ask the Preacher on this Good Friday. You can call in if you'd like, 863-682-1430. Fourth and final segment here of Ask the Preacher for this Friday afternoon. Talk Radio 96.7 presents Ask the Preacher, brought to you by Believer's Fellowship. Here's John Free. Welcome back. Glad you're listening today. And uh, again, want to invite you out Sunday morning, 9 a.m., outdoor service for Resurrection Sunday celebration, uh, 9 a.m. out at Believer's Fellowship Church. Okay, so this uh, this weekend today, commonly known as Good Friday, what most people consider to be the day that, that Jesus died on the cross, uh, I think if you do the math, um, you, you find out that it wasn't on Friday, it was earlier. Uh, more than likely Wednesday, but regardless, the point is Jesus did die. But I, I, I want to bring you to another place here. Um, did you know that Jesus wasn't didn't just come to the earth to die? You say, heresy, how could you say that? Well, if he only came to the earth to die, then why did he rise? See, he came to the earth to die and to rise. 
But he didn't just come to die and rise. Did you know that next thing he did was he ascended unto the heavenlies? He ascended back into the heavens where his father is and where the the temple that is made in in the heavenlies, not built with human hands, he ascended up into that heavenly temple and he poured out his blood upon the mercy seat. Oh, but then he didn't stop there. He sat down on his throne in heaven and he sent the very power that raised him from the dead. He sent that power in the Holy Ghost, in the Holy Spirit, down to us here on the earth to as many that would receive it. See, so you have those five things. He, he was, well, you could say six, I guess, but he was born. He, he died. He arose. He ascended. And he sent us the Holy Ghost. So it wasn't just that he would come and die. It didn't stop there. He arose from the grave. Hallelujah. Jesus is alive, and he is alive forevermore. That's what makes the death of Jesus so powerful, because lots of people die, if not everybody dies. But how many people raise up from the grave? How many people fulfill all of the prophecies that are spoken of? You know, most, most people don't have too many prophecies spoken of. Jesus fulfilled them all, lived a perfect life, and he died not because of his own guilt, not because of his own wrongdoing, but because of ours. But he didn't stay dead. He conquered death, hell, and the grave by raising up on the third day. And then he ascends into the heavens, pours out his blood upon the mercy seat, and sends us the Holy Ghost. Woo! Man, it's so good. So wonderful. I see people walk around uh, on on times like, you know, Ash Wednesday, uh, Good Friday. And they're so sad that Jesus died. I'm not sad that Jesus died. I am grateful I'm grateful. Oh, man, you can tell. I just get excited about it. I, I'm, You know, I don't want anybody to suffer, but I certainly don't want myself to suffer. You say, well, you're selfish. Well, you tell me you want to suffer. No, I am so grateful that Jesus suffered on my behalf that I didn't have to. I couldn't pay the price for my sin, but he did. But he didn't stay dead. So I can't, I can't look at the cross um, and, and not see the empty tomb. They come together. That's what makes the cross so victorious. By the way, no, uh, no hard dish here on my Catholic friends, but um, you know we often have the, the, the picture of Jesus on the cross. Well, Jesus is not on the cross. Well, he's not in the grave either. He's on his throne in the heavens. And so he is alive and alive forevermore. I want to read to you out of Luke chapter 24. This is the story after the death and the burial of Jesus. And um, you can read in the previous chapters, 22 and 23, uh, 23 mainly, you have the crucifixion and, and the burial. But in chapter 24, it says this, Upon the first day of the week, that would be Sunday, very early in the morning, they came to the sepulcher, that would be the tomb, and they brought their spices that they had prepared and, and other things with them, and they found that the stone was rolled away from the tomb. And they went inside, and they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it came to pass, as they were very perplexed, that two men stood near them, shining in their clothes, shining white, bright light. And they were afraid. And they bowed down their faces to the earth, and they said, Why do you seek for the living among the dead. Now, this is what these two men said to these people that came to the tomb. I want to stop right there for just a second. Why do you seek the living among the dead? 
I find that question rather interesting because these the people that went to the tomb, and we find out who they are in, in a second here, uh, but they weren't looking for the living. No. How do we know they weren't looking for the living? Because they brought their spices that they had prepared for burial. They were looking for a dead body. It's like, why didn't they recognize that, that Jesus would not be there? It seems to me like with all that Jesus said, you'd be running to the tomb with the expectation that it's empty. But they didn't. They ran to the tomb with the expectation to be able to go inside and further prepare the body for, for permanent burial. They did a quick job before they put him in the grave on the day of his crucifixion. The sun was going down. It was about... Uh, to to be the, uh, a high feast, and they weren't able to do any work on that day. But anyway, but they went to the grave. They, now these these two men, in shining in their white apparel, say, "Why are you looking for the living amongst the dead?" They testified in that question or in that statement, if you will. They testified in that question that Jesus was alive. They came looking for the dead amongst the dead, but only to find out that he is in fact. Living. All right, we'll pick up verse 6, Luke chapter 24, verse 6. These two men in this white apparel, they're still speaking. They said, he is not here. He is risen. Don't you remember what he said to you when he was in Galilee, saying that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, but on the third day he would rise again. And they, this is the women that ran out to the grave first, and they remembered the words. And they returned, they left the, the, the grave, and they told all the things to the 11 disciples, because remember, Judas was no longer with them. Uh, and they returned and told all the things to the 11 disciples and everybody else that was with them. Now, it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna. Those were the two women that ran out to the tomb first. And Mary, the mother of James, and other women that were with them, which told these things under the apostles. And their words seemed to them as idle tales. In other words, they didn't believe them. They didn't believe him. The next line says, and they believed them not in the King James. So in verse 12, then Peter got up and he ran to the tomb and he stooped down and he beheld the linen clothes that were laid right that were laid there by themselves. And he left and wondered in himself what had happened. And behold, two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus. And I don't have time to read all of that. And Jesus, the living Jesus, appears to these two men as they walk to Emmaus. And he uh, speaks concerning the things and, and shows them all the stuff concerning himself in the scriptures. My, my point is this. Don't look for the living among the dead. If you're looking for a dead Jesus, you won't find him. Why? Because he's not dead. I remember one time I watched four hours of a documentary. It's a two-night series, two hours each night. Four hours of a documentary on the History Channel of the crucifixion and the burial of Jesus. And they went through all this amazing stuff about the art of crucifixion. Brutal. They, they went then talking about historical tombs and all this kind of stuff. And at the end of four hours... They concluded that the story of Jesus' death and resurrection must not be true because they couldn't find any evidence in the tomb. I'm like, are you, are you kidding? Morons. They couldn't find any evidence in a, in a tomb? That's because he was risen. He's a living Lord. Don't go looking for a dead Jesus. He's not dead. He's alive, and he's alive forevermore. And he would like to be living in your life. I'll add to it. Don't go to a dead church. If you go to a church that has no life, if you go to a church that talks about what Jesus did as opposed to what Jesus does, 
you're in the wrong place. You need to be in a place that speaks of the living Lord, the living Jesus Christ, and let him live big on the inside of you. He is alive, and he's alive forevermore. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. He lives, he lives, he lives, he lives, he lives. Yes, he died. He died for your sake and for mine, but he arose from the grave. And then Romans chapter 8, verse 11. It's my favorite verse in the whole Bible. We'll end with this. If the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwells, that means lives in you, he shall also give life to your mortal body by his spirit that lives in you. Thank God that his spirit can live on the inside of you. Man, oh man, oh man. Well, time is short and time is out, so we have to close today's program. I want to invite you to come out to Believer's Fellowship this Sunday morning. Join us for Resurrection Celebration, 9 a.m. outside. Dress uh, appropriately. Try to stay cool. Don't sweat too much. Hey, have a great weekend, folks. Jesus loves you. We'll see you next week.